Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Did you ever notice that in work and schools, lots of initiatives start out with a huge amount of resources and energy, and then by the third month of school or work, they fizzle? And then towards the fifth month of school or work, they just kind of disappear? There's some science behind this, and this past week I was coaching a friend, and she said, you need to make this entire conversation a podcast so that I can send it to others. Well, okay, and yes, we do take requests here on the Smart Thinking Podcast, so here we go. Here is the question. How do we get our initiatives and expectations to stick in a large organization with many different staff, leaders, and ideas? Well, the answer is simple. Go on a field trip. You see, one of the major flaws of implementation is assuming everyone will share the enthusiasm of the people who are behind the idea, who brought the new tactic, or had the idea. Too often, we look past a very simple principle, and that is that people have their own minds. As a result of this lack of awareness, sometimes we believe people will be open to our ideas. They'll be loyal to the hierarchy and they'll follow orders. Yeah, well, that doesn't always happen in an environment that is as diverse as a school or a company. People have habits, their own noggins, and their own ideas. And too often we try to push past these simple and known principles, and then we find ourselves with a lot of rework, wondering who to blame for sabotaging our ideas and questioning if it's easier to give up on the strategy than to push through to completion. Well, folks, we're Buffalo leaders. We are people that run to the storm and we don't run away from conflict, confusion, or crisis. That's good alliteration. We instead see the storm and run to it, into it, and through it. However, while it's easy to say things like this, it can be difficult in the absence of process and like-minded people to get things done. Like-minded people tend to come along with the process when they see the results. The key word there is see. Buffalo leaders are optimistic and surround themselves with all types of people with all types of strengths. And this is when the herd can really get some momentum and create their own energy and success. We are also always cognizant that each interaction we have with others can immediately make an impact. Why? Well, a leader is anyone with influence over another person, making everyone a leader. And a leader's job is to recognize that their own mindset, attitude, and energy can literally change the world. Ted, the world? Yeah, someone's whole world. Lastly, we always believe that we're going to win because we're optimists. We don't bet on losing. We don't worry we'll fail. Well, yeah, we do, but we believe we'll get through it because we believe in enthusiasm and that we are going to make it and that we have good problems. And like Viktor Frankl said, because he was right, it all boils down to our choices. What is this walk to close gaps and increase the success of strategies that I'm talking about? It is very simple. And it is one of the principles of improvement from our training on creating a culture of continuous improvement, which some of you have been through. And, well, if you're interested in going through it, look me up. Ted at CESA6.org. You see, in order to create a culture of improvement, people have to speak the same language. They have to be curious. They have to want to understand the impact. And they have to believe that they matter because we make certain that they do. 
To understand this, we have to revisit a concept that every teacher learned their sophomore year of college while being trained to be a teacher, and that is VARK, V-A-R-K. VARK describes your learning modalities and helps teachers and leaders truly understand how to support learning. VARK is an acronym and stands for Visual, Auditory, Reading and Writing, and Kinesthetic. The principle of VARC is that if you want to truly create strong learning opportunities for your students, or frankly anyone, you focus on including all of these learning modalities in your practices. Well, guess what? We also need to do the same thing for those we serve alongside, not just children. Too often, we launch new ideas for others, and we focus on jazzy PowerPoints and the enthusiasm that we bring to the room. However, what we need to do instead or alongside, is to find ways for people to trip over the truth and see everything for themselves. I remember when I was an undergraduate student, and our professor put a, put a picture of a fish up on the screen and asked everyone, who in here has gone fishing in their lives? Now, I went to college in an urban area, and many of the students had never fished. The professor then asked everyone to write out a description of what it feels like when you touch a fish. Those of us in Professor Mary Flynn's class who had fished were quick to write out words like slippery, smooth, and slimy, and those who had never fished used terms that were not necessarily accurate. We paired up, each of us students, and we shared our descriptions with each other, and I had a partner who had never touched or eaten a fish. He described what he believed it would feel like, and I couldn't help but laugh. Now, I don't remember his descriptions. I just remember... They were horribly wrong. When I went, I was able to easily describe a fish. Why? Because I'd been fishing since I was little. I had caught, touched, hooked, unhooked, and cleaned as well as cooked my own fish. Then Mary asked all the people who had never touched a fish to come up to the front of the room. She opened up a cooler and plopped three dead fish onto the table in the front of the room. And this is how she introduced the importance of learning modalities to us. The looks on the faces of my classmates as they touched a fish for the first time was priceless. And then to hear them discuss how their descriptions needed to be modified, well, that was amazing. This is how I learned about VARC. Seeing, hearing, reading, and touching. That all combined creates an experience. An experience that shapes learning, creates background knowledge, and allows people to truly embed into their own brains information and, most importantly, learn. Compound that with people learning together and collaborating, all while doing it at the same time and sharing their experiences with each other. Well, that, my friends, is how you, you turbocharge learning and knowledge. The experience of being introduced to learning modalities was, well, by itself prolific for me, and I've applied it my entire career in teaching and leadership, at least whenever I remember to do it. When I was a middle school teacher, I did a unit on technology in American history. I was explaining how technology had shifted so much over the last 100 years, and many of my students, well, they had glazed over eyes, and I suddenly remembered Professor Flynn's fish. A few days later, when the kids came back to school, I had shifted my unit around a little bit, and I had contacted my good friend Mike Didier, and I got a 1920-something Chevrolet and a brand-new Chevy Corvette from my friends over at a car dealership down the road. The students then walked outside with a journal prompt, and they were asked to write out in a few bullet points what were the differences between the vehicle's technology and be prepared to share it. 
I remember this unit because everyone got involved. Even the local newspaper showed up and the kids were beside themselves with the practical and real ability to see these cars in person. I had the hoods open. They could climb in and out of each car and they could touch everything. And anyone who knows 8th graders knows they touched everything. But the other thing they and I learned was the stark differences in technology and the advancement of automobiles over the course of the decades. Well, how do we create the conditions so that everyone can look under the hood? We employ a process and we become intentional about it. One of my favorite books of all time is by Chip and Dan Heath, and it's entitled The Power of Moments. This book changed me, my life, how our family travels, how I lead, and frankly, how I learn. I also believe that this text, I think this text should be mandatory for everyone who leads, which is all of us. I have for years been curious and a wanderer. I like to go and see things. I love to smell the environment. I love to grow. I've found myself in kitchens in Italy. I've found myself in warehouses all over the place asking all kinds of questions and looking for things. I just love to explore. In this book, well, it helped me understand the neuroscience behind why I was always attracted to going to the learning instead of waiting just to read about it. The book also verified a practice and a process I had employed for years, which allowed me to help others while applying all four learning modalities. Now, in the book, if I were to boil it down into four bullet points, they'd be these. Number one, elevate the ordinary by creating peaks in every moment. Seek insight by seeking the truth and looking deep into every moment you're in. Create pride by seeing the contributions and celebrate everything that everyone else does in the moments. And develop connections by reflecting on the meaning of those moments. I have for years enjoyed going to other places to learn and grow. Every job I've taken has led me to doing the same thing. Going, exploring, looking at everything. Everything that would impact my work. And then one day, I had an epiphany. The epiphany was simple. I should not be doing this alone. I should be doing this with a herd. Quick story to illustrate the process. When I became an assistant superintendent of schools, I was charged with all student learning. I had taught high school and middle school, and I was a middle school principal. I had a very good understanding of those levels. However, I was now charged with the most important levels of learning. All of them. But specifically, the most important, elementary. And I had no idea. You see, secondary teachers, we're trained to be content experts. We major in what we teach. Math, science, tech ed, art, English, Spanish, history, etc. We take some educational classes to get the foundations of instruction, planning, and management. But elementary school teachers? Oh, they take a lot of classes on instruction, development, process, and teaching, management, all of it. They go to school to be teachers. I mean, not that I didn't, but I never taught someone how to read. I helped them apply a skill that someone else had taught them. So as a new assistant superintendent, I decided I needed to go for a walk and see elementary learning and teaching before I could start to lead it. My district was a larger system, and I decided with my colleague Jeannie to go and visit all 28 kindergarten classrooms and the multiple elementary schools all on the same day. We started off early in the morning with a little checklist of things we were going to look for, and we went room to room. By lunch, we were exhausted. Not physically, but emotionally. You see, we saw that every classroom was very different, and not always in a good way. Many rooms had resources, and there were inequities. Some students had a seasoned teacher with command of the room and great strategies, and other students had classrooms that were uh, slightly chaotic. Other rooms yet had multiple adults to support, and then some rooms just had the one teacher. 
There were inconsistencies in experiences for the children, resources available, and opportunities for them to grow. And at the end of the day, my colleague and I sat down and described what we had seen, and then it hit us. If the 20-some kindergarten classrooms were like this, what were all the first through fifth grade classrooms like? That's hundreds and hundreds of different experiences. We decided to make a presentation to the elementary school principals. Now, for some dumb reason, which to this day I still don't know why I failed to do this, I ignored VARC, see, hear, read, and feel. What I did instead was I put together one awesome PowerPoint, and I ignored VARC. Well, that PowerPoint, which I thought was amazing, because it was really sweet. It had moving text, swiping transitions, succinct bullet points and pictures. Well, I was so excited to share my learning and grow our opportunity to serve with the elementary students by buildings and build the principal's awareness that I had forgotten the basics. So, as you can imagine, when I excitedly started sharing my presentation, I walked through all of the different components. And when I was done, I asked the principals to turn and share with each other what they heard, what they were thinking, and what we should do. And before I said go, the room exploded with comments like, That's not my school. This isn't my problem. I'm not doing anything different. This is his school, her school. Some principals started in on each other, and the next thing I knew, they all turned on me. I was like, what is going on? You know what was going on? I was showing pictures of fish, relying on my background knowledge and their background knowledge, and then leaving these principles in a lurch. I screwed up. This experience bothered me for years, and instead of building energy for change, I had supercharged defensiveness around status quo and became the target for the very issue I had brought up. <sighs> well, a few years later, I decided to do things different, and when I was promoted to superintendent, well, I moved on utilizing VARC. Before I share the process for you to implement to ensure change sticks, I want to share the evidence for this process that I learned years back when I read the book from the Heath brothers. You see, they demonstrated in their book that if you really want something to create a powerful moment, people need to experience something together and compressed in time. They say in their text that there are three steps that must be met in order to make strategies stick, initiatives relevant, and change happen. People need, number one, clear insight. Number two, they need it compressed in time. And number three, they need to discover it by themselves with other people. In other words, before you implement a change, you need to take a walk, a field trip with as many people as possible, and especially the people who will be impacted by the change, people deploying the expectations and doing whatever it is that needs to be done. Well, how do you do this? Well, you get a bus and you take everyone through the organization from the first touch point to the exit. In education, that means walking through 4K and touring all the way to the high school. In manufacturing, you go from receiving to shipping and everything in between. In healthcare, from the lobby to the recovery room and then to discharge. Do you hear me? People in organizations are too often working in isolation. They can't see all of the things you see. They can't build their own enthusiasm because you were an enthusiastic leader. And if you don't do that, well, in that absence, change science is pretty clear. You don't have a burning platform for change, and people are going to go back to their sovereign areas, put up walls, and dig moats. Now, here's what I did, and I loved it. I took staff representatives from every school in our district and put them on a bus, and we toured the entire system. Teachers, assistants, support staff, maintenance people, everybody. 
We visited the district office. We went to our Head Start school with early childhood. We went to the elementary schools. We went to a middle school and the high school. We took pictures. We explored and we built. What the Heat brothers identified, clear insight, compressed in time, and discovered by the audience themselves. And for the first time, staff from different levels saw how different every level was. They saw district initiatives working in some buildings and non-existent in others. They saw evidence of diversity and poverty that they did not know existed because it wasn't showing up yet in the higher levels of the district. They saw all the opportunities we always were talking about at the high school, and they were stunned. Some of the people on the tour had their own children graduate from the high school and didn't even know all the courses that were offered there. They were educated on their own system and could now, at least, understand how the entire system looked, operated, and how uneven it could be when individuals did individual things and opted out of system needs. They also as a result of the experience, learned how unfair that it was that the students moving through the system were impacted by individual decisions. It changed conversations, and it significantly impacted leadership because we grew a much greater level of empathy for our system and each other. And as we learned all of the ways that change was deployed, well, and how sometimes it was ignored, we learned together, and we saw it for ourselves, with our own eyes. And we learned that sometimes there are people who actually work against the needed outcomes. You see, people need to go for a walk. And when addressing issues, implementing change, and trying to influence, you can't sit in your office or your classroom. And you cannot sit there with your own narratives based upon your limited experiences, make judgments and decisions. That's dangerous. But it's what we do. Field trips are an incredibly impactful way to change the outcome and build engagement. I mean, I currently have a job that I wish I could take all of my colleagues with me all the time. I am in and out of schools all over the place. I'm in and out of businesses and government buildings, nonprofits and industries every day. I learn so much. I see it. I hear it. I read it and I touch it. I live VARC. In the absence of a common experience, learning with others, seeing with others and being in those environments together, you can never really describe a fish because you've never seen or touched one. What is more powerful than experience something with others? Now, you have to create the process so that people can go on the field trip and see their system. You learn so much, grow a ton, and in the end, when the change occurs, there is a collective experience experience and empathy. And what is more powerful than that? If you are a teacher in a system, you should understand that system. You should demand to see all the moving parts and be inquisitive. We launch all types of initiatives. We look at all kinds of data, create strategies to address our environments, but we never take the time to see the entire environment that we're working in. We are too fast to ignore what's going on in our own house. Schools are a gigantic collection of experts, and yet we don't tour all these little arenas of expertise. We don't take people out of their arenas and look at others and how they improve. The first thing we should do when we are trying to make change is VARC. We should see it, we should hear it, we should read about it and write about it, and we should feel the impact that it has with others. I love to wander around in systems, ask questions, and see for myself. And some of you, well, to help you understand the power of this, I go back and I think of a movie, Goodwill Hunting. That launched the careers of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. There's an amazing scene in the movie that illustrates this point perfectly. Matt Damon is sitting as the street-tough orphan who is a mathematical savant, and he's messing with people at the largest universities in Massachusetts. 
He begins getting counseling and mentoring by a character played by Robin Williams. And there is this scene when Matt Damon is attempting to be little Robin Williams, and they're sitting on a park bench, and Robin Williams is reflecting upon how something that Matt Damon had said the day before had bothered him until something hit him. The scene is called, You're Just a Kid. And Williams goes on this wonderful rant about how Damon, he might be a genius and have read everything and have an immense amount of knowledge, yet the fact that he's never left Boston, that Damon can explain everything about the Sistine Chapel and Michelangelo, but he's never seen it or smelled the damp room that the Sistine Chapel is, that as a result of all of his knowledge that Damon is just a kid without having lived or grown to deeply understand the world in which he knows so much about. Friends, if you want to make lasting change, people need to live. We're just kids in our own organizations because we have not seen the full picture. We can't just sit and watch a video, listen to a highly energetic PowerPoint presentation, or be trained in isolation. We need to experience it. If you want people to learn how to apply a new math curriculum, stop learning in isolation. Go to some other school that lives it, let them watch instruction, interact with the students, and talk to teachers about how it works and what to be aware of in the trainings and in the time and in the implementation. Get the warnings and the wisdom of other people and take a field trip. Want to institute a district-wide behavioral program? Make sure everyone has seen how and why they need to do this. Having problems with senior decision makers? Well, get them out of the boardroom and conference room and show them what is actually happening. Stop describing it and showing line graphs. (laughs) Take a field trip. Because taking a field trip is the single greatest way to increase understanding, demand, commitment, and ownership. Senior leaders spend an awful lot of time trying to convince people to join in on the change. Sometimes that's wasted. Spend that time and those resources instead showing people the world in which they live. Open the hood so we can see, hear, read, and write and feel the impact. Getting your colleagues to experience the need together and then allowing them to be the facilitators of the change. Or you can keep the natural conflict going and watch as tons of time and energy is employed as people stand by and let good ideas die by the fifth month because... They're simply not relevant to the people impacted by them. Get off your caboose and go for a walk. Then take others with you. And finally, create clear insight, compressed in time and discovered by the audience themselves on a field trip. That'll definitely make your system stronger and much more likely to succeed for staff and the children. So let's do some smart thinking. Where do you need to go and visit? Describe a process you could employ to increase collective empathy and understanding of your own system. And list who needs to go on a field trip. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, please make sure to rate and share this episode with those who need to hear it and learn it and grow as leaders, because that's what really gives me energy, is helping you lead others and helping them be the best versions of themselves. Also, thank you to the Well Pennies for their fantastic music. Please make sure to follow them on whatever your music platform is. And as we head into the end of the podcast here, I just want to remind you to also go on to goldenbearstudios.com and check out all the fantastic artists coming out of Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, as we close out here, I want to share one more detail and why this matters so much for me and for you. 
I used to take 50 to 60 people on tours of our district each quarter, and every time people were blown away because they had no idea what was going on in the whole place. They had no idea that we had adult students with physical disabilities that were changed hourly, that elementary school students are escorted everywhere, and that their teachers eat soup out of a can while walking down the hall, that high school teachers had multiple preps and only saw students once a day, and their planning periods were mostly used for IEPs and collaborative meetings and building-wide meetings, that there were methods all over the system that could be replicated kindergarten through 12th grade, that some schools actually did the things that were expected, and they worked, that programs for kids were plentiful, that not all schools are equal in staffing and resources, that younger students were more diverse than they knew because they hadn't seen that yet in the older students. They didn't know that so many businesses supported the schools and that processes could be used at all levels. My favorite learning was one day when we were walking through an elementary school that had a literal sage as a principal. He had been an elementary principal forever. As a matter of fact, I think he went to school with Horace Mann. <laughs> one day, we were on a tour of his school and a tall high school teacher and football coach walks right into a red flag hanging up in the hallway outside the office. The hallway stretched on forever, and the flag was pretty big. The flag could be seen from all classrooms. This elementary school was a classic post-World War II gigantic ranch-style building with just long hallways going left and right. The high school teacher, who had just swatted himself in the face, asked the teacher from the building, what is this flag all about? Now, when he pulled up on the bus with me and everybody else, it was raining outside. And if you work in an elementary school and it is raining... There's a question you are asked all day long from the Teddy Knightskis of the world. Are we going outside for recess? Teachers are driven wild by this question, and in many schools, sometimes the principal comes on every hour and announces if it's outdoor or indoor recess. Well, this sage principal was smart, and he created a prairie dog culture in those hallways. Now, what does that mean? Well, he had several flags, a green flag, a red flag, a black flag, and a checkered flag. You see, what a prairie dog culture is, is one where little heads are popping in and out of the doors all day long when it's raining to see the color of the flag. Because a red flag means indoor recess. A green flag means it's outdoor recess. A black flag, for those of us in winter climate, means blacktop only. And a checkered flag means blacktop and snow. This little efficiency was immediately employed at all of the elementary schools, and a high school tech ed teacher was sparked because he realized that his pinch point every day in his advanced classes was the routine questions he received every day as people walked in his room. So he created a flag system for his students. He had a lecture flag, a lab flag, a test flag, and a design day flag. It was like the Naval Signal Corps in his classroom, but it was replicated and it was a strategy he took from somewhere else. I could literally, literally tell you of dozens of more examples of how our system taught the entire system on these tour days. How high school staff started using word walls in their AP classes because a third grade teacher taught them that strategy. How fourth grade students all got to go to the high school for an exploratory day because of a relationship struck up on the bus. And how when we employed new system strategies, a majority of the staff now could visualize why it was needed. So to answer the question that was in the request, how do we get our initiatives and expectations to stick in a large organization with many different staff, leaders, and ideas? Well, the answer is simple. Go on a field trip. I'm living my life like a lie, seeing so many words in a silence. 
stuck in my head But tired of waiting for someone To turn all the lights on I'm duck duck goosing And wading through the water Cause I'm scared of what's underneath Myself my heart on earth Is to share who I am can't stop thinking about their thoughts and what I can or can't. I hate it, wanna rearrange it and claim it for myself. Wondering what it can be like to not hold back and live life without pretense. It's time to believe and be bold. Can't stay this way till I'm old. Looking back, feeling sad I didn't try. I'm gonna let my soul fly and be all of myself. My heart, my to share who I am Can't stop thinking about their thoughts And what I can or can't I hate it, wanna rearrange this And claim it for myself I've been sailing out to the ocean high Can't believe it's time Sure, I've been so far gone for too long and dreaming about what I'm missing out on myself, my heart. I'm nervous to share who I am. Can't stop thinking about their thoughts. What I can or can't I'm talking myself Wanna rearrange it, claim it for myself